0: It's an answer a face-saving formula with one or two minor details yet to be resolved. I say that because the European Commission has not uh, voiced any objections, nor has the Irish government, which they would otherwise have done had they, had they found that there were basic uh, fundamental disagreements with what the UK government is about
1: to do. Hello, I'm Brendan Donling. I'm the director of the Federal Trust. Today I'll be talking about recent events in Northern Ireland with Jeff Martin, an old friend of the Federal Trust, who is very well qualified to discuss issues um, arising in Northern Ireland. He was the Belfast representative of the European Commission for many years, and then he became the London representative of the European Commission. Uh, He's written and broadcast a great deal on Northern Ireland topics. Jeff, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Ten days ago, there was a, a deadline that we all heard about. Um, which was the deadline for the restoring of the, of the executive and Stormont, and that was missed, and everybody talked about the danger of a continuing impasse um, indefinitely. And then very suddenly things seemed to move, what did move in the course of last week. Um, what happened to break the logjam? I don't
0: know in detail, but I suspect strongly that the Secretary of was not keen on an election, and no one else was, and therefore he pushed Uh, Donaldson. In the meantime, Donaldson's senior people split seven-five, which was new to them, and therefore gave him a slim majority in his executive council, so to speak. So I think that had the effect of precipitating this now welcome situation.
1: Do you think financial considerations played a role in the decision of the DUP?
0: Well, up to a point, but, you know, They they had been promised 3.3 additional billion pounds a month or so ago, which, of course, was very welcome. But, of course, the DUP always wants more money. I'm not so sure it was central. What was more central was exasperation of the grassroots, amongst others, including the DUP people and the DUP backbenchers in Northern Ireland who were not getting their salaries. And in general terms, people are saying to themselves, how long is this going to last? How long will these people be allowed to put us at ransom, as it were? So there was exasperation on all sides, and the resultant effect is that, as we have seen, there is now an up-and-coming, up-and-running uh, uh, executive and assembly.
1: Do you think that the um, that the strikes, um, which were so much a feature of Northern Ireland life a, a few weeks ago, did they play a role? Well, partly, but it's interesting.
0: This the strike, the strikers were more keen on opposing the British government than they were in pushing the DUP and the other parties in installment. So it's, it's a mixed bag that I'm not so sure if they were totally uh, 100% behind the thing. They were partly behind it, but I'm not sure
1: they were a conclusive force. Do you think there have been significant changes in the framework, uh, or is it simply a question of giving a, a face-saving formula to the DUP?
0: It's an a face-saving formula with one or two minor details yet to be resolved. I say that because the European Commission has not uh, voiced any objections, nor has the Irish government, which they would otherwise have done had they, had they found... That there were basic uh, fundamental disagreements with what the UK government is about to do. So tinkering, yes, I think there was tinkering uh, in a number
1: of areas to satisfy the extremists in the DUP. The the Windsor framework uh, essentially accepts that that Northern Ireland is going to be treated differently from the rest of the United Kingdom in in many ways, many economic and trading ways. Uh, that obviously hasn't been changed. Uh, do you think that the DUP are now reconciled uh, to accepting that? Or or is there a, a minority or perhaps even one day a majority within the DUP which is is unhappy and which is biding its time?
0: Well, the DUP never liked the idea of the protocol or the framework in any shape or form, nor did they enjoy the notion of what was what became called the Irish Sea border. But of course, these were these things were essential and were much wider than the DUP were were claiming it to be, the fact that the UK left the European Union some years ago meant that in trade terms, not in constitutional terms, may I hasten to add, in trade terms, the European single market was separate from the United Kingdom's market, and therefore something had to be done to safeguard the Irish border from becoming uh, a, a running sore, so to speak, and the powers that be in the European Union, and the British government felt that dealing with the business of trade on the Irish border would be risking something which they didn't want to risk, going back to the Good Friday Agreement. And therefore, they came up with a rather important uh, arrangement. This so-called Irish Sea border, which I again emphasize, is not a constitutional matter. It's to do with international trade. And it's actually helpful. It advantages Northern Ireland.
1: Uh, as a sink from the rest of the United Kingdom. Which is something that Rishi Sunak was saying the other day when when he visited Northern Ireland. Indeed. Um, Indeed. Is that something that all of the DUP have reconciled themselves to? Do you see the possibility of a split or or defections in the near future?
0: Well, the DUP are both difficult to read and easy to read. I mean, the, the, the DUP continue to use anything to justify their claim that they want to safeguard the Union. I mean, even Donaldson has, has been saying to Peter Robinson, his predecessor, thank you very much, Peter, for helping me to secure the union. Nobody, know, nobody felt that the union was in any jeopardy whatsoever. So they used this exercise to make a constitutional point which shouldn't ever have been made. Therefore, they wasted two years time in, in, in trying to defend
1: something which didn't actually exist in reality. Can you say something about what you see as being the symbolic and political importance of a a non-unionist first minister or prime minister? Um, uh, And to emphasise the the idea of change, uh, um, two women uh, occupying the top jobs in Northern Ireland as well. Well, the general public, I think, accept now uh, the idea
0: of Sinn Féin being the first minister. However, 103 years ago, Edward Carson coined the phrase, a Protestant parliament for a Protestant people. And there are still many 17th century type hardliners on the Protestant side who still retain that idea that that in some shape or form, Dortmund should should remain a Protestant parliament for a Protestant people. That is now being shot to pieces. It will never come to pass again. And therefore, the idea that Sinn Féin is the first minister, a woman, Michelle O'Neill, and his deputy, who claims to be equal to the first minister, which in terms of law she is, but in terms of title she's not, a DUP person. The idea of two women in their mid-40s running a power-sharing executive in Northern Ireland is really
1: welcome, There's no question about that. You mentioned that that, that Dublin, the the Irish government, hasn't Yet raised any any formal objections to the new arrangement, although there has been some suggestion that questions would be put to the um, European Commission about whether they were entirely happy with aspects of it. But but one thing that that does seem to have um, led to some unease in Dublin is the the junking in the command paper of uh, talk about a, an all Ireland Ireland economy. <laughs> um, do you think there's any significance of that in that?
0: Not particularly. I mean. The so-called all-Ireland economy was put in that paper in inverted commas. There is no all-Ireland economy, and there won't be an all-Ireland economy until all of Ireland becomes one entity, which currently it's not, and is not unlike, unlikely to be for, for, for the foreseeable future. So, but, but of course, it is uh, uh, the case that elements of the economy, elements of the economy of Northern Ireland. And elements of the economy in the Republic of Ireland go hand in hand in the context of the European Union. So in a sense, the all-Ireland economy phrase uh, was was quite a clever phrase in one sense. I can totally understand why it was dropped by the command paper because the British government clearly didn't want to irritate the sensitive beings in the EUP any more than they needed to. So I think it is not a fundamental point it's a peripheral point, and will just disappear. I don't think I don't think anyone, neither Brussels nor Dublin, will use this as a means for obstructing the implementation of what has already been
1: agreed. Uh, do you think, in general, uh, that what's happened over the past ten days uh, has any impact on the long-term likeliness and possibly the timeline of of Irish unification?
0: Well, I do, but I mean, I, I can't see that it advances the timing, it, if anything, it puts the timing back. Um, you know, this business of copper fastening Northern Ireland into the Union, which was, in my view, totally unnecessary and uncalled for, nevertheless might uh, harden the hard men of the DUP into the belief that all is reasonably well. In terms of uh, the Sinn Féin people, it doesn't matter to them. They're keen on a United Ireland whenever it comes. I think on both sides of the argument, a united Ireland has, has less pride of place today than it has done for some months because of the upcoming elections, both in the United Kingdom and in Ireland, and in three years' time also in Northern Ireland. So, although a united Ireland is a romantic notion, I don't think it's become a political reality in the foreseeable future. And indeed, I do think it's about time both the British government and the Irish government would actually put some flesh on the bones of this United Ireland skeleton. We don't know what a United Ireland would be. I mean, in in, in technical terms, there are hundreds of possibilities open there. They haven't even been discussed in public, uh, to my knowledge. In fact, I know they have not been discussed in public either in Ireland, North or South, or in England at any time. And they will not come about until uh, things in Northern Ireland uh, change and until the Secretary of State, in his wisdom, feels, as he's bound to do uh, with the Belfast Good Friday Agreement, that there is sufficiently consensual view in the northern part of Ireland for uh, and, um, a referendum to be held about unity. That is way past the horizon now. It was a bit nearer, the, nearer to the horizon or up there on the horizon not so many months, years ago, but now. Because of the current events, politics in both countries take precedence over referenda or unity. And don't forget, uh, don't forget the idea of starting to discuss the unification of Ireland in technical and political terms would take up huge time and effort, huge
1: You made the point that um, electoral considerations are looming into view in in Dublin, in Belfast, and in London. Uh, If there is, it seems likely, a a Labour government elected at the end of this year, do do you think that will change anything in Anglo-Irish relations? How how do you assess Anglo-Irish relations at the moment, by the way? I'm told told reliably that they are certainly not as good as they should be
0: and were. Uh, Since Boris Johnson tried his trick on the protocol, I think trust has evaporated between the British government and the Irish government in large measure. And I can't see it coming back too soon. So. um, On the other hand, when you talk about the Labour Party, uh, I have no doubt that Keir Starmer knows a lot about Northern Ireland from an insider's point of view as he was at one point when when, uh, he was director of public prosecutions and just before then, a a five-year-long advisor to the priest service of Northern Ireland. So he knows what he's talking about. And therefore, I believe that the British government would have uh, more or less a unified approach to Northern Ireland matters. Uh, On the fringes, there may be more keenness on the part of the Labour Party to involve uh, the republic more than, than has been the case. But in general terms, I think both parties, the current government and the government-to-be, would take a a, a similar approach to the whole business, yes.
1: Good. So, so your general summary is that this has been a, a good week for Northern Ireland and, and may well mark, mark in the medium to long term a, a fundamental t- turning point in the history of Northern Ireland.
0: Well, I think it was a good week for sure. However, when I ask some of my friends over there, how long will this will this last? They threw up their hands and say, not for long. They predict that even though the two women made positive statements in Stormont on Saturday, that nevertheless, in six months or so, there is a very bumpy road ahead and this uh, executive will start to rumble again and disagree with itself. And therefore, what is likely to be the result of that? The answer is we don't know. Uh, Probably the most likelihood is that the Anglo-Irish agreement procedures will be strengthened. In other words, the north-south ministerial meetings will start up again, and the the, the east-west ministerial meetings will start up again, which they haven't done with the british government for some years uh, that would be uh, a means of uh, strengthening the existence of the power sharing executive irrespective of internal internal disturbances but in the long term i can't help believing that that northern ireland needs reform of the belfast good friday agreement to to abolish the effective veto uh, owned by the dup and Sinn fein who respectively, over the course of the last several years, have used that veto to bring down the executive from time to time. That is clearly unsatisfactory from a democratic point of view.
1: Thank you very much. There'll be much to talk about over the coming months. And um, if you've enjoyed, this is to the listeners, uh, if you've enjoyed this um, video, we have many similar videos on the Federal Trust website. Jeff, thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you.